I'm also eternal and everlasting Father, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, majestic in all your ways, loving and caring. Lord, we don't have enough adjectives to describe you for who you are and for what you do. Ours remains the wonderment that you can accept praise from earthen ones like us that you have redeemed through your son Jesus Christ. So we thank you for the privilege of gathering together this evening to study a portion of your word. We recognize that the human mind is incapable of understanding anything that is spiritual apart from the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. So it's our request that the Holy Spirit will provide us the concentration that we need to hear precisely what you have for us. This is our request in Christ's name. Amen. We move now to the 15th chapter of Exodus, where we deal with songs of praise for God's deliverance. I'm going to read the entire chapter. He reads, Exodus chapter 15, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider... He has hauled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my son. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is, is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army. He hauled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths of like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. But the blast of your no uh, nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sang like they sang like the uh, laid in the many mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your ha- right hand, and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Eden will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Pharaoh and dread 
will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by. O Lord, until the people you have brought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its riders he has hauled into the sea. Now this, the passage before us is acknowledged as a song so that it is described in various ways. And one of the things you see, the songs of the Bible is, not, is very rarely is what we have today. But this is a song. Still, because of that, some describe it as song of Moses and Israel. Others describe it as song of Moses and Miriam. Still, others describe it as a song of victory. Now, regardless of how the passage is described, it is undeniably that it is a song of praise to God for his deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Egyptian army that pursued them after the Lord divided the Red Sea so that Israel passed through on on a dry ground while drowning the Egyptians. Now, the song is a climax, a climax of celebration of God's dealing with Israel in their relationship to Egypt, the country of the enslavement. Now there is then a sense that this, the song celebrated past action of God and prepares the way for further action of God on behalf of Israel. In effect, the song closes a chapter of oppression and opens one of freedom for Israel to worship God in the manner that is yet to be revealed uh, to them under Moses' leadership. Now this song is certainly an important one that it is it probably forms the basis of a new song that celebrates God's deliverance in the future of his people from the various plagues that he will bring in this world as we have it today. According to Revelation chapter 15 verse 3. Revelation chapter 15 verse 3. Revelation chapter 15 verse 3 reads, And sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty, just and true 
are your ways, King of the ages. So it is expected that when God provides deliverance to his people, that they should express their gratitude through praise or thanksgiving. I'm saying, once a person experiences God's goodness, it is expected that that person should respond by being grateful to the Lord, expressed in form of thanksgiving or praise. You see, some of us do not really express gratitude for kindness that we receive from others, either because we think that such individuals owe us the kindness, or we think that we could have attained whatever it is that we receive by our own effort. However, it is important that we are careful to be appreciative of kindness people show us. But it is intensely more important we show our appreciation to God's goodness to us in form of praise. The Lord Jesus underscored this point with what he said following the healing of the ten lepers, uh, the men with leprosy. Now only one of them returned to give thanks to him. Hence the question he posed in Luke chapter 17, verses 17 and 18. Luke chapter 17 verses 17 and 18. Luke chapter 17 verse 17 reads, Jesus asked, We are not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise? To God except this foreigner. So the point of the question of the Lord Jesus is that it is important to show appreciation to God for his kindness and by implication that we truly show appreciation to others for whatever kindness we receive from them. My point is as almost as a culture, people do not know how to express true gratitude to others. I mean, some of you say, I appreciate it. Or, as I always say, you, you say, you shouldn't have. That to me, is not an appreciation. You thank a person. When you say you shouldn't have, that's really a sign you don't appreciate whatever it is. And I know it's cultural, as people say, but it's not biblical. Now the point we want to stress before we examine the passage before us is that praise of God is an essential expression on receiving his goodness. Now the realization of this truth is evident in the song of praise before us. Consequently, the Holy Spirit directed Moses to begin verse 1 with a Hebrew adverb that is translated then in nearly all our English versions. Now the Hebrew uh, adverb may mean then, alright? In the sense of a marker of time, roughly after another point in time. Now, it can also mean then as a logical marker of results, so that the 
Hebrew word as can be translated therefore. Now the use of the meaning then in Exodus 15 verse 1 should be understood in both senses. In other words, the Hebrew word tells us that the song that is given in this 15th chapter of Exodus took place about the time of Israel's deliverance from the Egyptians that the Lord drowned. Now we of course do not know how long after Israel observed the drowning of the Egyptians that this song was sung. But it certainly must not have been too long after Israel's deliverance. Furthermore, the use of the word then indicates that the song is a result of God's deliverance of the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptian army in a hot pursuit of them by dividing the Red Sea so that they went through on dry ground while he drowned the Egyptian army and Pharaoh. So I'm arguing that the song before us should not be seen as one or the other. It is to be recognized as that which results from Israel's deliverance and followed not too long after uh, that deliverance, although we do not know the time interval between Israel's observation of the drowning of the Egyptians, their deliverance, and the song of praise before us. Nonetheless, the song of this 15th chapter of Exodus is one that is concerned with praise of God for his goodness shown to Israel in their deliverance. Now be that as it may, the song may be analyzed under two major headings. The first heading is Moses leading of the song Israel sang. That's the first heading. Now the song that is led by Moses covers the first 19th verses of the chapter. It consists of an introduction given in verse 1 followed by, by focus on Yahweh or Israel's God in verses 2 through 13. The focus is first on the description of the God of Israel in verses 2 and 3. Now this is followed by description of God's action and its manner towards the Egyptians given in verses 4 to 10. Now the focus on Israel, uh, Israel's God ends with a description of his uniqueness in verses 11 through 13. The focus on the God of Israel is followed by a description of the response of other nations to the action of God of Israel towards the Egyptians, given in verses 14 through 16. Now the first song led by Moses ends with a further description of, God, of Israel's God in verses 17 to 19. Now the second heading concerns the song led by Miriam given in verses 20 and 21. Now verse 20 reference dancing of Miriam on other women while verse 21 gives the content of the song laid by 
Miriam. So anyway, we have summarized the song that we will examine in detail. However, it is important that we state the primary message you should have in mind as we analyze the song. Now this message, the message is this. Your praise of God for your deliverance should focus on his person, action, uniqueness, and manner of his deliverance, if known. Again, the message. Your praise of God for your deliverance should focus on his person. Because his action, his uniqueness, and the manner of his deliverance is known to you. Now the message implies that a song of praise that we are about to consider enables us then to know how to praise God once we receive his deliverance or experience his kindness to us. Now we are saying that as we study the song, we will learn how to better praise God. Now you see, to many of us, Praising God is simply saying, praise God. But, the song of praise that we are about to study indicates there is much more to praising God for His goodness than saying the word, praise God. So, it is our goal then, that at the end of this study, that you will be able to spend time in praising God, as part of your private worship of him. Of course, uh, we do not imply that a congregation could not use what we will uh, study in praising God, but that what we learn will be most applicable in private worship of the Lord by you. Those will make several statements that you should bear in mind as you praise God in your private prayer, or even your prayer in a local church, if you are uh, called up to lead a congregation in prayer, in a general way, after a congregation experiences special deliverance of the Lord. Now this aside then, we will expand on the message that we have given by considering some responsibilities we have regarding the praising of God because of or when we experience his deliverance. But before we get to the responsibilities that we have though regarding our praising God, let me justify our declaration that the first major classification of the song in our passage is Moses leading of the song Israel sang. Now the reason we are confident in our assertion that the first major heading of the song is Moses leading of Israel or the song Israel sang is because of the first sentence of Exodus chapter 15 verse 1. Look at that first sentence. It says, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. On a surface reading, it will appear Moses and Israel 
at the same time sang the song, but that's really not the case. Now the situation would have been that Moses, as Israel's leader, composed the song and started to sing it, and then the people joined him. Now this is because the words of the song that we are about to consider were given to Moses by the Holy Spirit. In effect, Moses did not on his own skill with music state the words of the song. It is an individual with prophetic gifts that will begin a song such as the one that we are considering before anyone will join the composer, so to say. Now this assertion that we have made is also the case when prophetess Deborah led in song of victory given to her by the Holy Spirit before Barak joined her or repeated after her as implied in Judges chapter 5 verses 1 to 3. Judges Judges chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 It is on that day Deborah and Barak son of Abinoam sang this song when the prince in Israel take the lead when the people Willingly offer themselves. Praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, you, when you read this, it should come to you that something has happened in the Christian faith. That the songs today are purely emotional. For the most part, anyway. We look at what we're reading. That's a song. I don't know how you can do any dancing to this one. I mean, it doesn't mean there are not some, some songs, but all these are songs. And songs are supposed to be meaningful to communicate something about God. But today, you know, people like, you know, they just go through emotion, repeat the same thing over and over just to walk up the emotion. In most cases, with very little content. Now, even in the case of Israel's choir, there was a leader of the song, as implied in the description of the leader of the choir, when David brought the ark to Jerusalem, as stated in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 27. This is one of those things that uh, you can tell you that you know the church has moved far away. We now have what people call choirs. And of course, when we studied the uh, challenges of Christianity, I'm going to show you there should never be such a thing as a choir today. But you know, it's popular. Why? <laughs> because people refuse to apply the scripture or just take it to feed them and they go their way. Yeah, you look at, look at what we have here. Now, David 
was clothed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and as were the singers. Now the singers were the choir. In Israel, no one is in the choir unless that person is a Levite. Which, if you say, think about priests. So if that's the case, that means we are all priests as believers, so how can we have a choir? You know, that's a different story. Anyway, so it says, were the singers. And Canaaniah, who was in charge of the singing of the choir, that's the standing choir in the temple. Now, of course, in the case of David, they just haven't had the temple yet, but uh, the tabernacle and so forth. So David also wore a linen effort. My concern here is that Kenaniah was a leader. So they followed his lead. Thus, it is certainly the case that Moses spoke the words of the songs, and then Israel joined him in the song recorded in Exodus chapter 15. The song in our passage refers to a piece of music that is either played on instruments, song, or both. The point is that Moses, being Israel's leader, and one with the prophetic gift, was the leader of the song to which Israel joined. Now this being the case, we are correct in taking the first major heading of the song as that led by Moses. Now, by the way, the song was addressed to the God of Israel since the phrase in Exodus 15 verse 1 says, To the Lord. That may be translated to the Yahweh. To Yahweh. Because the word Lord of the NIV is so all in caps, as I told you, that's how they try to uh, translate the, uh, the Hebrew word. That's what we call the sacred tetragrammaton, uh, four letters in the Hebrew. And it's, we, in English, we, when we do transliterate it with the word Yahweh. Yahweh. As the name God of Israel gave to the Israelites through Moses for identifying him. Now, with this comment and our assertion that Moses composed a song, the uh, Israel joined him to sing it without out of the way. Now, we turn our attention to the responsibilities we have regarding the song of praise to God for his deliverance or his goodness. In other words, it's Something that we look from this song, you should learn your responsibility of what it is to praise God when He has shown you His goodness. The first responsibility, of course, that you have as a believer who experiences God's deliverance or goodness is simply to resolve to praise Him. That's the first responsibility. That's where it all begins. To resolve to praise Him. That's the first, to resolve to present. In other words, once you experience God's deliverance or goodness, you should do everything 
within God's given ability to you to praise Him. We insist that when you experience God's goodness or deliverance, you should resolve to praise Him, as that is what Israel did under Moses' leadership, as we read then in the first sentence of Exodus 15, verse 1. Again, it says, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. Now, literally, the Hebrew reads, and they said, Let me sing to Yahweh. Let me sing to Yahweh. Now, it's not, it is not that uh, the translation of the NIV is wrong. But that is one of the ways that the form of the Hebrew verb used in our verse can be translated. See, the Hebrew uses a form that is an expression of volition so that the form viewed primarily as an indirect command to the first person that nonetheless is subject to three possible interpretations from the Hebrew. Thus, the Hebrew verb translated as saying in the NIV could be interpreted as a directive implying a request so with the meaning let me sing let me sing or it can be translated or interpreted as a wish leading to the translation I wish to sing I wish to sing or a declaration of intent so that it will translate it I will sing as the translators of the NIV a majority of our English versions have done. Now, it is no doubt that uh, the, all these are possible ways to translate the Hebrew. The point is that regardless of the way the verb is rendered, the Hebrew indicates that it is Moses' resolve to sing that is conveyed in the NIV of the sentence of Exodus 15 verse 1 when it says, I will sing to the Lord. Of course, it is not merely that Moses resolved to sing, but he indeed began to do so. Now the literal translation again says, And they said, Let me sing to Yahweh. Supposing our interpretation that Moses was the song leader, or that Moses spoke the words of the song so that Israel joined him in the song of praise. You see, because of the pronoun they, because I said, uh, they, and they said, let me sing to Yahweh. So we're saying that because of the pronoun they, we should have expected the Hebrew. To read something like this. Let us sing to Yahweh. But that's not what we have here. Of course. The Septuagint. And the Vulgate. Had this written. Let us sing to the Lord. Implying. That they probably. Modified the Hebrew text. 
or interpreted it differently. Now, if the original Hebrew had the plural form of the Hebrew verb, it is difficult to understand why the reading in the Masoretic text, that is the text, the Hebrew text from where all our English versions are translated, the Masoretic text. Now, so it, if he had originally the plural, it is difficult to see why it would have been altered to the singular form that we have. Thus, it is more likely that the original is that reflected then in the Masoretic text as reflected in our English versions. It seems that the Holy Spirit directed uh, Moses to write the way he did. That is, what we say, I will sing to the Lord. Or literally, let me sing to Yahweh. Instead of the reading of the Septuagint that says, let us sing to the Lord. Let us mean every one of them is saying that. But let me sing means Moses is saying it. And that's what we believe is in the original. So the original reading then was intended to convey to us that Moses was a song leader so that Israel joined him in singing of the song of praise given in the 15th chapter of Exodus that we're considering. All the same, the first responsibility you have as a believer who experiences God's deliverance or God's goodness is to resolve to praise Him. To resolve to praise Him. Now see, you can't praise God until you first determine to do so. Now, that is, until you resolve to praise Him. Again, like I said, because we are a culture of people that have very little appreciation for other people, for what they do to us. I mean, we give all this lip service, but we don't really fundamentally, something is missing. That we are not quite appreciative uh, people, per se. I mean, people do good things to us, but very, many, very few of us actually appreciate that. Now, if you, if you are very appreciative of people, that, in a way, goes into you being very appreciative of what God does for you. No matter what God does for you, you'll be appreciative of Him. Once you see His goodness, you become very appreciative. And that appreciation, call it praise, in one way. Now, so praise, being a celebration and adoration of God under the power of the Holy Spirit is one that every believer should form the habit of doing when such a person experiences God's goodness or his deliverance. You must form the habit. Now, if you, I mean, like I said, if you have the uh, thing from the culture where, oh, you just say, oh, you shouldn't have. Like I said that. If you have that in you, as a believer, you begin to change that. To truly have appreciation 
for what someone has done for you. So that that will bleed into to say, having the habit of any time God does something for you, once you experience his goodness, no matter what it is, the first thing that comes out of your mind is to praise him, to begin to thank him. That is what this song is all about. So all I'm saying this is that you should form the habit of praise of God for several reasons. There are several reasons you must do that. Our God commands us to praise him. The psalmist conveys his truth in Psalm 68 verse 32. Psalm 68 verse 32. Psalms 68, verse 32. And um, he reads, Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth, sing praise to the Lord Selah. That's a command. Sing praise to him. Now this command to praise God, by believers is also given in the vision of Apostle John as recorded in Revelation chapter 19 verse 5. Revelation chapter 19 verse 5. Revelation chapter 19 Verse 5. It is, by the way, before I read this, here's what you'll be doing in heaven. Think about what, what, what do you think we'll be doing in heaven? So, praise. <laughs> That's what we'll be doing in heaven. So, you better start now to learn how to do that anyway. But they said, then a voice came from heaven saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. As a command that you and I should obey. Another reason you should form the habit of praising God when you experience his goodness is that is what rightfully belongs to God. He conveyed this fact through prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8. It reads, I am the Lord, that is my name. In other words, Yahweh is the personal name of God that he revealed himself to Israel. Yahweh, which of course the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory 
to another or my praise to idols. God is not going to do that. Now the same truth of God deserving to be praised is conveyed in First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 25. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 25. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 25 It is For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise He is to be feared above all gods So most worthy of praise So that's what he demands from us. Still, another reason to form the habit of praising God whenever you experience His goodness is because certain act is pleasing to Him. Think about it for a moment here. What, do you, what can you offer to God? What do you have to offer to Him? There's nothing we really have to offer to Him. Even the praise itself it comes from him too. But when you think about it, there's nothing you can offer to God per se. Then, this praise. So, that's why we say that praise praises him. And, I mean, pleases God when we do that. Now, this we may infer or gather from the declaration of the psalmist as recorded in Psalm 69 verses 30 and 31. Psalms 69 verses 30 and 31 Psalm 69 Beginning in verse 30 reads, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will praise the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with his horns and hooves. So based on the Reasons we have supplied, you should recognize that it is important to resolve within you that you should praise God whenever you experience His goodness. Which, by the way, I believe we do experience daily, a moment by moment. Now, until you know, sometimes we just don't recognize that. Some of us, I don't know what you're looking for. You, you know, you, some say, oh, you have to see this majestic thing, whatever the big thing. But whatever we think is little, if God didn't do it, you realize how, it, how important it is. There's no such thing. Anytime you experience His goodness, which, like I say, 
It's really what we have continuously as believers. The problem with most of us is we have been so much engulfed into the world that we don't even think of what we think. That's a little thing. God did. No, that's not a little thing for, with God. Because if He didn't do that little thing, you, you are now in trouble. So we have to recognize that. So, the first responsibility then, that you have as a believer who experiences God's deliverance or goodness, is to resolve to praise Him. Resolve to praise Him. Now, praise of any kind usually has basis. But more so if it is directed to God. It is the recognition of this truth that, be, uh, that any praise has basis that following the sentence of Exodus 15 verse 1 where we're starting we say, I will sing to the Lord. Then we have the word for that begins the next clause where it says, for he is exalted. For he is exalted. Now the word for is translated from a Hebrew conjunction that has several usages. For example, it may be used as a matter of emphasis and strengthening of a statement. So it may be translated, indeed. However, in the clause that we are considering, it is used as a matter of reason. So that it may mean because or for. Consequently, the Hebrew conjunction is used here to introduce the reason to resolve to praise God when a person experiences his goodness, his deliverance, or his goodness. You experience, you need to show uh, your, pra- your praise of him. Now, in our verse of study, though, the conjunction is really used to provide two reasons a believer should resolve to praise God once the individual experiences God's deliverance or his goodness. And I keep reminding you, every day you are experiencing his deliverance. You just don't know it. Or you don't pay close attention. We are constantly experiencing daily deliverance from him. Anyway, a first reason Moses gave for the, for the resolve to sing a song of praise that should be yours also, be a reason for praising God, is because of who God is. Because of who God is. Now he is worthy of praise because of his majestic power. It is this reason that is given then in the sentence of Exodus chapter 15 verse 1. When it says, he is highly exalted. Now the word exalted is translated from a Hebrew word that may mean to grow tall. To grow tall of a plant. As it is used in the question of Bildad. To Job, uh, to Job regarding the papyrus in Job chapter 8 verse 11. Job 
chapter 8 verse 11. Job chapter 8 verse 11. Job chapter 8 verse 11 reads, Can papyrus grow tall? That's a Hebrew word translated exotic. Say, can papyrus grow tall where there's no marsh? Can reeds thrive without water? Now the Hebrew word may mean to rise up of water as it is used in the description of the temple in prophet Ezekiel's vision as we read in Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 5. Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 5. Ezekiel 47 verse 5 reads, He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Water keeps increasing uh, in that vision because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Now the word, the Hebrew word may mean to be lifted up, to be lifted up, to be exalted, that is, to be given honor in relation to status. So in Exodus 15 verse 1, the word may then be taken to mean either to be exalted or to rise up in the sense that the Lord has risen up in triumph as the revised English Bible has it, has it all that the God has won glorious victory as you find it translated in today's English version. Now although the majority of our English versions adopted the second meaning to rise up in victory by the meaning to be exalted is probably what Moses had in mind since the next sentence of Exodus 15 verse 1 says he has hauled into the sea describes the victory the Lord achieved over the Egyptians and their gods thus it is because of the exalted position of God that is evident in his power that brought victory in the context of the song that Moses was resolved to sing a song of praise to him. So you should praise God because he is elevated above all creation. He is the uncreated one that deserves to receive all praise from all of us. You should praise him as we have stated because of who he is. Who he is, of course, touches on his character. Since we can, cannot truly speak of who God is without speaking of his character. For example, we praise God because of his righteousness. As the psalmist stated in Psalm 98 verses 8 and 9. Psalms 98 verses 8 and 9. Psalms 98, verses 8 and 9. It is, Let the rivers clap their hands. 
Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to joy the earth. He will joy the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. So we praise him for his righteousness. Now Nebuchadnezzar, after all he went through, came to that conclusion. Declared God's righteous. Despite his experience, as we read in Daniel chapter 4, verse 37. Daniel chapter 4 verse 37 Daniel chapter 4 verse 37 reads Now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. And he's talking from experience. He went from being in a mighty uh, palace to eating grass. That's what he, that's what he meant. All, and those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Now the point is that it is because our God is worthy of praise as he stands above all creation in honor and status that you should resolve to praise him or sing song of praise to him. Again, he is majestic and stands above all his creation. A second reason Moses gave for the resolve to sing song of praise that should also be your reason for praising God is because of his action of the destruction of Israel's enemy. It is his action that is given in the last sentence of Exodus 15, verse 1. The last sentence, where we're starting, says, The horse and his rider he has hauled into the sea. See, Moses praised God because of the destruction of the Egyptian army. Now, this is because the phrase, the horse and the rider, and his rider, although in the singular, it's a description of the entire Egyptian army that pursued the Israelites as described in Exodus chapter 14, look at verse 9. Exodus chapter 14, look at verse 9. I'm going to pick another verse in that chapter. Exodus chapter 14, verse 9 reads, The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, Husmen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Hehorat, opposite Baal Zephon. So the destruction of the Egyptian army is by drowning them in the Red Sea, as that is what Moses re- referenced in the sentence, he has hauled into the sea. Now that the sentence refers to the drowning of the Egyptian army may be gathered from what Moses previously uh, stated, still in that Exodus 14, look at verse 27. Verse 27 says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. So anyway, Moses praised God 
for his action of destroying the Egyptian army by drowning them in the Red Sea. Thus, the second reason Moses gave for the resolve to sing a song of praise that should also be your reason for praising God is because of his action of the destruction of Israel's enemy. Now, we have indicated that Moses' second reason should be also your uh, own reason for praising God. Now, this means that you should praise God for specific actions that he carries out to bring about your deliverance from problems that you face. However, it is most important that you should be involved in praising God because of the defeat of Satan on the cross by Jesus Christ that made your salvation possible. Now I think, if you don't think enough about the fact that you are no longer going to spend eternity in hell, you probably will not praise God enough. I mean, there's nothing greater than our salvation. Now, I mean, it blows my mind to think of a human being who is going to be in eternity in all this pain forever. The fact that you escape it is something that you should be praising God every day, every moment that you get the uh, possibility to do so. So, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, tells us about this defeat of Satan or satanic forces, as we read in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15, it reads, When you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So the point we're concerned to make is that as a believer, you should praise God regularly for the defeat of Satan on the cross by Jesus Christ, so that you receive your salvation through faith in him. So, as I've said many times, there's no day that should go that you shouldn't be thanking God in your prayer for your salvation. No day. If you understand the magnitude of what you have, that you're not going to spend eternity in the lake of fire, courtesy of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So, based on that, we are about to end, but let me end by reminding you again of the message of Exodus 15 that we are studying, and which is, your praise of God for your deliverance should focus on his person, his action, his uniqueness, and the manner of his deliverance to you, if you know it. Therefore, you have the responsibility to resolve to praise God when you experience his deliverance. So praise him for who he is. Praise him for what he does for you. That is your challenge as a believer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the study of your word. We pray that God the Holy Spirit will 
Think in our soul the importance of continuous praise to you for your goodness to us. This is our request in Christ's name. Amen.